Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander. I'm Simon. We are knee deep in tech and we are diminished. Our former colleague, our co-host and our friend, Tony Holopainen is no longer with us. We learned uh, late last week about his very uh, sudden and very untimely passing at the age of 41. So we have a lot of memories from this guy, literally larger than life. <laughs> so uh, we've decided to dedicate this episode, which was going to be covering uh, Ignite. And the, the bittersweet irony of that is that he literally lived for Ignite. He had a blast going uh, to Ignite and, and meeting his friends and so on and so forth. But we'll cover that in, in a bit. So do not expect any order. Do not expect any, any thread. Well, the thread is going to be uh, Tony, but otherwise it's just going to be a, a bit of a mess. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that is, I, w I wouldn't say typically Tony, but I think that that's the way he liked it. Not having anything real to, like he, he that was the way he made conversation with people. Like he could be in with which any organization. As you can hear, I'm slightly off track. Uh, and I doubt that I will be making it through this entire episode without actually crying. Um, but I think that it's, it's, uh, I think we will see this as a heavy metal episode. <laughs> yeah. So when, when Simon called me the other night and gave me the news, um, he also said that the, the one thing that made everyone in the conversation, uh, laugh a bit was the fact that everybody is in agreement that Tony does not want to be buried in a church or anywhere near a church. Absolutely nowhere within sight of a church. He was anything but religious. Yeah, uh, certainly. I, I would argue that it may be a burning church, but now we're getting off track again. A burning upside downturn church i think he would be okay with but like, like you said we um we had planned for this episode to be or first i think no one of us no one of us in our darkest thoughts would thought have thought that we ever would record an episode like this uh and i sure hope that we won't be recording one more uh, because then we won't be recording that the thing is, um, many, many, many years ago, I started listening to a podcast that in many ways became the, the springboard and the idea, the embryo, if you will, for this podcast. And that podcast is, is called The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. It was started back in 2005 by a group of friends. One of them were Perry DeAngelis. Uh, the thing is, he passed away from illness in 2007, and I, I still to this day, remember the first episode after his passing. And I thought to myself, holy crap, that must be such a horrible situation because the rest of us, well, we're left behind. We, we're left to our own devices. We're left to doing whatever we did. And now we're here in the same boat. Yeah. 
now I, I kind of have an idea of what they went through. And and like you said, we we had planned for this to be the Ignite special. And and I know mm-hmm. for a fact that the last conversation we had with Tony and also that he had with other friends were around how excited he were for everything that was released during this Ignite. And I think we, at least from my side, I didn't expect anything to be released at this Ignite. I, I remember talking to you and saying specifically, yeah, this will be a bit of a blah, blah marketing thing. We knew that, or knew, we, we kind of expected premium Power BI Premium per user to come out, but that was pretty much it. What else was there? And we were wrong. And and yeah, we, we for sure were wrong. And And Tony sent a number of messages to us during the keynote and was super, super excited uh, around all the news and everything he wanted to talk about. So we will we'll get to, to the news that were closest to his heart um, later. But like you said, Ignite has always been a huge part of Tony's work life, uh, I would say. And that was when I first met Tony. Uh, I attended the first, my first tech ed in uh, Houston, 2014, if I'm not mistaken. And I traveled there alone. I've never been to the States before. And the only person that I knew would be there were this colleague of mine that I, as, as with Alexander, I was probably terrified of Tony. Um, and I was terrified of Alexander. I still am from time to time. So when I came into Houston and went to my hotel, dropped my bags and then went out again and asked the cab driver, could, could you take me to this hotel where, where my friend is? And he laughed at me and said, uh, yeah, I could, but it's, it's next door. You, you see the entrance from here. And I went there and I met Tony and, and that started a, a friendship that still is there. Um, and that first year, is a year I do remember dearly because we, I think we, to this day, we, we still agreed on that the MMS appreciation party we attended at TechEd 2014 still is the best Ignite or TechEd party we ever attended. Um, and, and like seeing Tony with hundreds of stuffed animals, uh, padding a, a stingray. Um, I, I don't think we got him to, to ride the uh, bull ride thingy, but we did go on a child's train ride in a tunnel of sharks. And that is, I think, my, my first big memory of Tony. First being terrified and then finding a very, very warm crazy and totally like he, I don't think he was afraid of anything uh, which we came to, to find out when he started to invite guests to this podcast <laughs> yeah so uh, uh, you hadn't interacted with him in Sweden before you no. went over to the wow was that the infamous um, fireball episode or was that later 
that was, that was later. later. Okay. <laughs> so I, I remember this um, kind of surly big guy that came into work one day, and he didn't say much. But if you were to look up completely out of fucks, you're going to find a picture of him. <laughs> like, literally, he, he was always fresh out of fucks. He could not care less who you were or what title you had. If you were decent, he was okay with that. And I kind of found him a bit mm, almost belligerent at some times because when he had an opinion and he thought he was right, yeah, you better get with the program or convince him that he was wrong. Either would probably cost your sanity, but it was worth it because he knew his things and he had a grasp of the Microsoft infrastructure landscape, the whole nine yards, like nobody I've ever met. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, just to figure out when he started at Atea, where we first met him, that was May 2011. So around a couple of months after I started. So he, he was part of my entire career. Uh, but I just saw what he had written uh, on the job prior to that, where he when he was at Logica or CGI, <laughs> and then he started that in June twenty two thousand and eight. <laughs> Who cares this far back, really? Yeah, that, that's pretty much him. Um, and he he basically said, "Well, this is what I am. This is what I do. Take it or leave it. I don't care either way." And it's it is like you. People say with, with drunkards and, and children, you're always going to get the truth. Uh, yes, he did drink. Uh, no, he was not a child. But he would definitely give you his view on things. Unwavering. He did not sugarcoat anything. But he was not in any way mean. At all. No, never. Like, like he, he could definitely think that people were insane and... and any kind of things, but he was always very kind, had a, a patience that I, I will again never forget, like the, the last Ignite we went to. You remember that flight, oh, uh, since we didn't share a flight. <laughs> me, me and Tony were a bit more optimistic than Alexander when we tried to get to Orlando 2019, which ended me and Tony up on a flight to Atlanta instead of Orlando. Uh, and we landed very, very late, and Atlanta Airport isn't the most fun place to be, but we were able to find a hotel really late, like way past midnight. We were supposed to catch a flight at 8 a.m. the following morning. We had been on the road since 9 Swedish time in the morning. And we come to the hotel, we check in, and go to our rooms, and it takes one minute. And then he texts me and say, my room is a battle zone or a war zone because the previous occupant, they hadn't cleaned after that person. So he didn't have a made bed. Uh, everything was just completely off everything. <laughs> but, but being Tony, he just... Yeah, I'm so tired. I will just crash on the floor. Which he did. So he basically rolled yeah, and rolled him up uh, himself up in a, in a jacket and fell promptly asleep on the floor. 
And then the next day when we were to check out, he just showed the picture of his room to the um, receptionist and said, yeah, I think you forgot to clean my room. And I'm pretty sure he didn't pay for that room, did he? No, he did not pay for that room. <laughs> but we got the points. And that would, that matter. Yeah, I know. You're, you're a points um, hunter of, of big proportions. And I, I remember you came in to the hotel where I was staying because, as you said, I had been somewhat mm -hmm. more um, pessimistic. <laughs> and yes, that put me at skip hole for seven hours. But at least I got to where I was supposed to be. But when you came through the door, you looked like you've been through a grinder. And Tony just shrugged and went, yeah. And that's it. You couldn't tell that he had basically not slept for about a week and he just literally walked in from the, the airport. That's, that's the kind of guy he was. And that kind of leads us to the fireball episode. You were there. I wasn't. <laughs> I think that is the... I honestly think, like... We, we, we I will say, we tend to drink uh, during events. But Tony have never, at least not in, in when I've been present, went overboard at any point. He has always been very, very... Like he, he would be so ashamed of being too drunk in front of his, his colleagues. But this time he underestimated the ABV of Fireball. And we went out to a restaurant um, <laughs> and, and he was really, really drunk and uh, tried to order a white Russian from the the barmaid and then when she was about to serve it to him he had fallen asleep on a bar stool so we had to wake him up and then he couldn't remember that it was white he didn't understand that the white russian were for him but he drank it uh, a, a while later we went home and that that's the thing with him he he was he was he apologized for a year afterward but he at the same time were more than capable of laughing at it and saying that yeah i still love my fireball but i'm not drinking half a bottle again no you you could you could say that he always did learn from his mistakes the few he yeah. made yeah and and i think that's a very good point as well to to mention and i i thought about this i don't think i ever worked with him on an assignment because he usually he he had a very very unique talent for migrating ads so active directory sites uh, and he usually were doing that for a couple of years at a time uh, and that was how he got his his last job uh, at cinch as well um but he i don't think he ever failed with anything he is a bit like um, Chuck Norris in that way. <laughs> so he was definitely the quiet professional. You didn't know if it was going well or if something had just bit the bucket completely. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I was around when he failed uh, one of the AD migrations. Or 
let me rephrase that. When the AD migration failed, not that he failed it, but yeah. it failed. And he was um, annoyed at the tool, let's say that. Then he mm -hmm. fixed the problem and reran the tool, glaring at said yeah. tool. And the tool, being <laughs> fairly smart and kind of uh, enjoying life, decided to actually behave. Um, so I, I suppose the tool is still around. Very much Chuck Norris. Absolutely. So I, I just went back to um, our podcast, which we have found out from from um, Tony's brother as well that it meant so much mm -hmm. to him uh, and that he always enjoyed it and that he, uh, and I, I quote his brother saying that even though we never understood a thing that you were talking about, he was always very, very excited and wanted to share what you spoke about. And I went back to, uh, we have from episode four, I think the pr previous three episodes were too horrible for Alexander to post uh, on, on Spotify. Yes. <laughs> but episode four uh, <laughs> is the now infamous malicious cleaning lady episode yep. where uh, I was busy having a kid, <laughs> um, but you managed to corner Tony. And that started a um, very long relationship with the podcast. He he was a uh, honorable member for quite a while. He did a bunch of specials with us, uh, and then he became a regular part of it. Is it one and a half years ago? Something like that. Um. And and we have always seen his participation as being the the balance to you and me, where we get from time to time too serious and and too focused on details or quality or being the superstars we we probably never will be, um, and also to add his brilliant views on everything that happens in a data center and over the years also in the cloud. Uh, but like I mentioned previously, I think what he also have done is really helped us challenge what we believe is possible. Uh, he has been able to get us some really awesome interviews, getting us connected with some of the, the most awesome people in the community. Um, and we even have a an interview which he worked on super super hard worked on to get into the podcast so we'll see if we're able to complete that in his memory um with a with a person that when he first mentioned the name of that person i think both you and me were like yeah because that's basically like inviting oprah winfrey to our podcast but he were persistent and in the end he uh, managed to corner a person that we certainly hope we'll be able to to do an interview with with you and me uh because tony had so many questions to this person that we hope we can get answers on true he was completely unafraid the, yeah. you know the, there's actually two people he absolutely fanboyed over he, he literally fell over himself to talk to these two people you know who i'm talking about right absolutely the, the, the two ends of the network cable. The, 
That wow, that was far fetched, man. But yes, R and J. So Rick and and Joey, um, definitely. Yeah. Do you remember when we were in Orlando at one of the parties, one of the nights? Uh, I can't remember with Tin Roof. Tin Roof, correct. Where uh, Joey and, and and Rick came by and um, handed out their new stickers, the hexagonal stickers. And we were talking to um, Joey, and he said, "Well, I can't, I can't give you this one." And showed us the the one with both Rick and Joey on, because we only give these out when when we're both at the same time. And out of nowhere, steps Rick in and goes, "Hi!" And there we go. We had the the complete set. And Tony was just, I I had never seen him at a loss for words, but he was, yeah, he was fanboying there. Yeah, absolutely, and um, that that was also what he said to us when he was watching the. He, he wasn't watching the keynote; he was watching the patch and switch mm-hmm. live stream during the keynote, uh, and had such a great time. And that was one of his absolute musts at every ignite to be part of the the patch and switch community and such. Uh, and. Um, I remember how annoyed he were that you and me were able to get an interview with uh, Rick and Joey at uh, Experts Live in Prague. Uh, and uh, I so wish that he could have been a part of that as well. You know, that is probably my biggest regret, that we never got to get him in the room with Rick and Joey just on mm-hmm. a, yeah. on, on the two of them or the three of them. Um, mm-hmm. That is That is unfortunate yeah because as as you said he was he was was both elated to be part of the show that had rick and joey on mm-hmm. i mean rick and joey are celebrities galore yeah uh but at the same time he was kind of bummed that he was not there and and uh, i think the the final really important aspect to mention here is that i wouldn't have this, the 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 group of friends I have in the states, if it weren't for Tony, uh, so we will likely meet up with with some of them virtually uh, in the coming weeks and and share memories like this. But um, I will I will mention two of them, uh, and there are a lot more people that really were close to him in the states. Uh, but Brian and Andy. Uh, were the ones I met first and, and Brian and Tony were the, the first two that got together uh, and that was typically Tony Tony tweeted I believe at TechEd in New Orleans 2013 that he was down at a bar at a, at an hotel and uh, he sur- looked for someone to have a drink with and like hang out with through the crew if I'm not mistaken Yep. and Brian went down and met him and that started a <laughs> an amazing and insane group of people that have met at every event since then uh, and had one more beer. Yeah. And also, and also, uh, and, and that was actually when I spoke to Brian and told him what's happened. He was like, I'm, I'm absolutely devastated. And I really want to say, damn it, Simon. Uh <laughs> Yeah, because Dammit Simon became the unofficial hashtag. Everything was your fault. Everything was my fault. So we have uh, we have that. 
uh, and we have white guy uh, which oh. was also a an insane joke when we as rednecks from Sweden came to the states and realized that we yeah we on our traffic lights we have red and green easy enough but in the states you have a a white person that walks when when you're supposed to walk and that became a a joke which we in the end realized wasn't appropriate uh but it's it's part of the group so one more beer damn it simon white guy and and we can continue for ages we have the white castle incident uh we have uh <laughs> irish car bombs we have mct meetups uh, we have visits to all kinds of odd museums and theme parks we have burgers that he i think if if i were to order one of those again something would happen to that burger before i get it because he would never allow me to have a pear and maple syrup chicken waffle burger again that was just weird but do you remember what the place was called heart attack grill i wasn't there I think that was the name of the place we we had the burger. Not that one. Wasn't? Yeah, 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 the other one. Not yeah. that one. You you're talking about the the uh, where we took the disco cab. Oh god, yes. <laughs> that was, was an interesting also... experience as well. I didn't and, know and that it was I, possible I... to fit a full-size disco ball inside a what is it was it a, a, a Kia Soul? A Kia Soul? I thought it was a Tahoe. No, no, that was the other one. This this was a Kia Soul. Wow. But that is also, and, and now I, I will ruin his reputation. I think that was, for a second, the only time Tony enjoyed ABBA. I think so, but it it, it, it came and went very, very quickly. So I think we can yeah. apologize for that. Yeah. Should we uh, take a look at the uh, the news? I think we, we can do that, and, and we will be returning to memories and... and um, I know that I at least now hear and think about and and see Tony everywhere in all news items and and everything in Ziad. He he would have hated that, and he would have never understood it, or he would have loved it. So I think uh, moving to the news and um, what happened during this year's Ignite is is appropriate. Yeah, and and as you said right before we started recording, that the whole I'm Alexander, I'm Tony, Tony's not going to happen anymore. That mm-hmm. is, every time we open, every time we, yeah. we do the introductions, we're going to be reminded that we are missing one guy, a white guy. <laughs> Damn it, Simon. So what did we get out of Ignite? Well, it, it was a kind of a weird event for for me. Uh, I can start because mm-hmm. this... Um, there wasn't very many things coming out that kind of land in my part of the, the, the court, but we did get Power BI premium per user pricing released at Ignite. And one of the things that we were told when Power BI premium per user were, were shown as a preview was that the price is not set. And everybody went from yes to crap because Microsoft mm-hmm. has a both a reputation and I think a history of introducing awesome, cool things that cost just way too much for the average guy. 
And the whole idea of Power BI Premium per user is to go for the average guy or the the the, the mid to the small size enterprises in, for instance, in Europe. The thing is, we could not have believed that the price would be this good. It's $20. And if you already have an Office 365 E5 licensing where you have Power BI Pro, then you just tack on another 10 and you have premium per user. You're not required to buy a complete premium per user. I mean, that is just... That, that, that is astonishing. It is astonishing. That, that is even that is even more cool than the very low price tag from the start. Yeah. I, I, Tableau and Click must be shivering in their... Funny you should say that. ...in glassed office. Business. Funny you should say that because I would argue that Click is on in, in way more dire straits than Tableau. Because yeah, yeah. what do you get through Power BI Premium per user? You get the XML endpoint. And the XML mm -hmm. endpoint means that you can hook anything you want to the Power BI data model. That means that you can create your Power BI data model in duh, Power BI, and then you can consume it and visualize it through the XML endpoint to Tableau. Mm -hmm. Click has nowhere near the, the capability of beautiful visualizations. It's, it's pretty good at some different kinds of mm -hmm. heavy lifting on the data side, but you probably wouldn't choose Click if you already had Power BI. But if you have Tableau in-house to do the really, really slick visuals, well, now you can to no price. You don't need a $5,000 a month P1 anymore. So that is fantastic. Yeah, and, and like, like we have said, I don't know how many times, like, I think that will be a very, very popular add-on to any license in, in our markets where we are mostly active. Because there are very, very few that needs, or individuals that needs that kind of heavy lifting. Uh, there are way more that need the ability to read things, of course, but I think this will be a amazing opportunity and and not the least for you <laughs> to make a a difference really for for many organizations i agree and again the big point for me is the xml endpoint because you're opening up for so many extra things especially the governance part of things with um well you, you have the the pipelines built in it's not part of the xml mm -hmm. endpoint but you have pipelines you have access to that through power bi ppu and any third-party tool that you want to use to do um, DevOps or whatever, well, you can use the XML endpoint. And that is super, super big. And mm -hmm. another thing that basically dropped in our lap, and I'm, I'm, I haven't decided yet is this is actually something that I should cover or not, but I'll mention it. PowerFX. And I would then again claim that Excel is a database. <laughs> oh, <laughs> let's not start that conversation again. So PowerFX is a new, listen to this, a new low-code language. It's it's basically the glue. So if you've seen kind of sort of PowerFX already in, in action, because that's the, the, um, uh, the code language you have in Logic Apps. But PowerFX is going to be rolled out and, and to, to work with other parts of the Power um, platform. I don't know what I think about this because I have some very distinct opinions on 
logic apps. Um, for instance, they, they're a bit of a mess to, um, to version and govern. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, this is more power to the users. And I find it difficult mm -hmm. to argue with that. Yeah, I think it's it's hard to argue with that. But I think it's it's more obvious than ever that you also need to have some kind of guidelines or, or guardrails so that your users can be using the tools freely, but without compromising integrity or security or for the matter cost. Because that is something we, we have experienced, both of us, with, with colleagues that, yeah, you just built this awesome power app. And then they realize how expensive it is to roll that out to an entire organization. It's easy enough to build and use for your own, but when you start to deploy it, it quickly gets expensive. Yes. And, and that's, that kind of comes back to the, the history and the, uh, the, the way the Microsoft tend to roll mm -hmm. things out. We have, for instance, Purview, which was even more uh, improved at Ignite. Purview is... It's, it's, I, had, yeah, I had my first discussion where I'm actually considering deploying it today. The thing with Purview is everybody and their cat should deploy it <laughs> tomorrow. There's a slight catch. Mm -hmm. It is expensive as you wouldn't believe. As soon as you have a reasonable estate, Purview will be prohibitively expensive. So we are mm -hmm. kind of seeing the same thing as premium, Power BI premium. Mm -hmm. I, I remember when premium was released, people went, this is amazing. And then came the price tag. It was also amazing. And it is the same thing with Purview. It is an amazing thing for an amazing cost. And yeah, there are only so many wallets that can handle such mm -hmm. uh, an amount of amazement. Yeah. And while we're on the subject of price tags, <laughs> we have um, Azure Synapse or Synapse Analytics, which... It, it's been a lot of things, but these days it is um, a kind of a smorgasbord of, of different components, one of them being the, uh, the, the old Azure SQL Data Warehouse. The thing with the Azure SQL Data Warehouse is that it is, it is SQL and it is a data warehouse, but it is also kind of uh, different from what most people would view uh, SQL. Yes, it mm -hmm. is a SQL dialect, but it does not behave at all like a you would believe in a normal um, SQL server. And a lot of people have other systems, Teradata, Oracle, for instance. So how do you move them to um, Synapse Analytics? Well, up until now, the answer have been slowly and with a lot of sweat and money. As of Ignite, we were shown Synapse Pathway which is a um, something something as weird as an automated conversion tool that not only does the um, the the database schemas, but it also brings with it the database code. I don't think it works for Oracle, um, but I know that it, it works for Teradata and a few other things. So definitely check it out. I think it is kind of cool. Um, it looks like it is only for the Azure SQL Data Warehouse. The, mm -hmm. the um, dedicated pools and not for the uh, the on-demand pool stuff, but we'll see. I wonder why they n always name it pathways and not highways. Like if I were to 
would to walk on a path, I would expect it to be rocky, with roots, narrow, and I would hit my toes and whatnot. A highway, on the other hand, is much simpler. And I think that this definition of pathway and description of pathway is very apt in this case. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we have also seen quite a lot of uh, colleagues in the in the um, community renewing their certificates in a new way. That's true. Uh, and I, have, I haven't really figured it out yet since I've been busy taking new exams rather than renewing them. Um, I've just completed all four of the SC ones and the SC300 is likely the best exam I ever written. It's nice. definitely on par with ASAT 500. Really, really good. Uh, but you're now able to renew your Azure certificates, especially in a much simpler way online in Microsoft Learn. Uh, and as far as I've understood it, this isn't due to COVID um, and it will be there after COVID. And it's just a way of ensuring that you shouldn't be required to pay up for a new full exam at a exam provider, but you should still be able to very or um, verify your, your skills. Yeah, but do you really do that? I mean, the, the cynic in me goes, this is cute, but it will um, kind of, of hollow out. Is that even a way of putting it? Yeah, no, I think erode so. is the word I'm looking for. It will erode, in my view, the value of of a certification because you can retake it how many times you want. You can retake the, the recertification mm -hmm. how many times you want. And what's to show, what's what's to say that we're not going to do them in a group? Mm -hmm. but, uh, agreed. Uh, but would you argue that this is better or worse than having an exam that never expires? Worse. Worse. Yep. Way worse. Yes. And and I I I do agree to a certain extent I don't think I'm as cynic as, as you are which I rarely am. Um but I think they they need to have levels here as well. You shouldn't be able to renew every exam. The fundamentals ones absolutely possibly even the associate ones. But I think to get to the point where Cisco is as an example with CCIE they need to be. They need to have a level where you had the Microsoft Certified Master exams, uh, which I think would complement what they have today in a very good way, because there are very very hard. It's very hard to re like show your skills wh where they are above the expert level, since the MVP title isn't necessarily a proof of that. Yeah. But you are aware that you can recertify three or three, three or four through through learn, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying any, I'm not saying I agree. Um, so let's let's head into the last show note that Tony did, actually, uh, which was a, and I think that also goes back to he. We challenged him when we changed this format a couple of weeks ago uh, and where we said that we were going to do focus segments. And he was, I think that was the only time I really seen him nervous 
Yeah. Um, but he was he was really nervous for doing his one. And he, of course, made that into a brilliant focus segment on something he has been really passionate about for years now, which is Windows Admin Center. And Windows Admin Center 2103 were made GA during Ignite uh, with a bunch of improvements, a lot of uh, partner connectors, so for data on Dell, uh, Lenovo, and and so on, but some other smaller improvements as well, uh, automatic in-app updates, so the ability to basically set Windows Admin Center up to manage your servers, regardless of where they are, from anywhere, and now that entire service is close to uh, ready for automatic updates, both to the connectors and to the service as such. Uh, they have also done some improvements to privacy so that you can limit um, the diagnostics data that's being sent, which is something I know that many countries definitely um, want to have enabled. And then we have a couple of things for especially hybrid, in which we will get back to when we talk about server 2022 as well. Uh, more abilities to manage virtual machines, manage servers, manage hybrid installations, manage high Azure Stack HCI. So again, it's, it's to me, very, very obvious. And also, let's not forget that it's now GA or in, in preview for the Azure-based uh, uh, Windows Admin Center. So you can now run this in Azure without setting it up in your local environment. Do you remember what um, what Tony wrote about the Windows Admin Center in his conversation with, was it Andy? <laughs> and th this is where you should probably cover the ears of your children because he wrote this and I quote, yes, Windows Admin Center gives me like an awkward boner. It's like nothing <laughs> hot really, but then again it is. It needs to become sexy somehow. Like AD a few years back, no one cared, but now it's the center of attention when it comes to identity for everything. Windows Admin Center and AD are the new black. So yeah, Awkward Boner. I think that might be the name for this episode. Uh, I also think that we might have some issues if we try to use it. But we can always add the explicit uh, tag on Spotify. That would be cool. You know, let's do that. <laughs> Let's that would be, do that. That that would be the perfect way of making this into Tony's episode. The only explicit. Tony would approve. Let's do that. <laughs> oh, my. And of course, Tony was always a big fan of servers. And um, I don't know how many. I, I do remember when he got rid of his rack cabinet at home with with all those servers uh, so he's always really loved his servers and server 2022 was something he was also very excited to see um, and where we get a bunch of secure uh, security features added especially to core which was something tony also believed in and deployed as often as he could uh, that now gets uh, TPM 2.0 support, system guard, credential guard, uh, and a bunch of other hardware-based security features uh, with support also for uh, secured connections using TLS 1.3 and HTTPS. So the ability to build really secure on-prem traditional servers. 
We also get a bunch of enhancements using Windows Admin Center and Azure Arc and Storage Migration Service, which is now also extending to NetApp. So you can migrate your NetApp FAS solutions to Windows servers or to Azure, which is quite interesting. The, the partnership between NetApp and, and Microsoft is really going strong. And also a number of really, really cool um, container improvements on Windows Server. So the ability to run managed service accounts that rely on Azure Active Directory on your on-prem Windows Server for Kubernetes. Does that have any connection to the Arc, uh, Azure Arc for Kubernetes news that came out as well? Mm, not that I know of. They are not mentioned in the same um, part of that blog, at least. Right, so you can but probably could be put, related. put Arc yeah. on in, in 2019 server, for instance, and, and run that through through the portal. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. And, and you also get some things that you may like for on-prem SQL deployments, where server 2022 now supports 48 terabytes of memory, 2048 logical cores on 64 sockets. Well, it's still nowhere near the the two petabytes that SQL <laughs> Server defaults to when it comes to max server memory. So, nah, keep keep going, keep going. I think that that is setting out a vision for a product group. Yeah, that's a hell of a vision. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's what I'm getting in my next laptop. Hell of a vision. Yeah. <laughs> Windows, hello. And I, I could ask you, why are you going to get a new laptop? But let's not have a, that conversation yet, shall we? No, exactly. Um, so we're we're over time. Uh, I think we started over time for this one. <laughs> yeah, feels like it. So we, we may be saving up for, for the other ones. Um, I maybe even do a focus segment on all the amazing news around patch management with Intune for the next episode. Uh, and we, of course, need to talk about Microsoft Mesh. And Viva. I still need to know what the heck Viva is. <laughs> Viva is, la Mesh. I, I was just about to say Viva Mesh. Is that a thing? Yeah. It's a mesh up for sure. Oh, dear. Yeah. So we, we and we will just briefly mention that we now have a new Azure region in China. Well, no, we don't. We do. Yes, it's but a new region, but it's still it's still, still twenty one Vianet, so it's not Azure yeah. per se. Oh, now you annoyed a couple of persons somewhere. Explicit, remember? <laughs> if we get banned for this episode, I think we have succeeded. Pretty much, yeah. And I think on that, it is time to end this long episode in in memory of our our, our dearly departed friend. Tony Holopainen, thank you so much for listening. And as always, if you want to be part of an episode or if you have any stories about Tony that you'd like to share, don't hesitate to uh, to send those in to us at, at uh, podcast at needypintech.com. Thank you so much and have a good one. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. Needy in Tech is a bi-weekly technology podcast hosted by Alexander Arvidsson, Simon Binder, and Tony Holopainen.
If you have any feedback, questions, or would like to be part of an episode, please reach out to us on social media or via email at podcast at needypintech.com.